Welcome to Haunted Hospitality, Southern Stories Told by Spooky Gingers. I'm Robin. And I'm Zoe, and I have a story for you guys today. But first, Robin, how is life? I'm absolutely fine. I completely forgot I would have to have an answer for that. I am drinking coffee. Um, creamer is so important. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> creamer is so important for coffee. It and is. I'm not just chatting about this because I completely forgot about preparing for this segment. It is important for coffee because sometimes... When I don't have creamer, almond milk is not enough, mm-hmm. evaporated milk is not enough, mm-hmm. honey is not enough, sweetener or sugar is not enough. I just need my international delight. This has not been sponsored. Zoe, how's your life? <laughs> um, well, Robin, um, in the previous episode we recorded where you talked about um, the Georgia Stones, Guidestones, um, you made a dig at me. You did a gentle dig, but... Um, we just recorded that. I'm trying to remember what I said. You said something about, oh, no, no, it was during your house life section last episode. Okay. Um, you were like, if you're ever watching this sometime in the future on our YouTube, because we're very <laughs> far <laughs> behind. No, no, no. I just I just I just wanted people <laughs> to know that if they are listening to this on like next Tuesday or something that they can't just automatically go to our YouTube and be like, what's Robin's hair look like as if they would care. Well, uh, we are very far behind on our YouTube and I take sole responsibility for that because I am the YouTube person. Um, so basically what happened was, and yes, this was my prepared, <laughs> this was my prepared house life. You just happened to go into it really well. Um, what happened was, is that we started recording video and this was around the time we were, it was January 2022 and way back when way back when almost a, a year ago exactly um <laughs> and we we recorded one of our first videos and in my head I was like I have to ed-, because when I edit a video that has both of us basically I have to edit the audio get it out on our podcast areas and then I have to edit the video separately because when I'm editing the audio it I'm cutting out the um us but when I would edit the video I wouldn't do that because otherwise we'd be jumping all over the screen it would look bad so I stopped editing for YouTube because I was like I don't want to have to like it would take hours for me to edit the video and yeah. so finally, I was like, screw it. <laughs> I, I think I've lost the video files anyways, but I still have the audio files. So I'm just l- releasing audio files with stagnant images. So actually, this week, Robin, I uploaded, I think, six YouTube videos. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yay. So um, you know, we get comments on YouTube sometimes. We do. Um, I, I, I have deleted at least one because I don't think this woman knew what podcasts were, but, <laughs> oh, okay. but we do get g- good r- comments on YouTube. So yes, I, when I was actually, I think it was on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, I was uploading a couple videos on YouTube and I was like, oh, oh, look at that. <laughs> it's um been almost exactly a year since we last update, uploaded a YouTube video. So I'm back out there, and if you guys, I think starting episode 80 or so, I'll be able to have the video file again because of how I started changing how we record. But yeah. Um, I love uh, that you are, I, I, I mean, honestly, go the minimal effort route. So you do so much for us. <laughs> Let yourself have this. <laughs> well, I actually recently learned how to do waveforms, and I am loving it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I check out that Google Drive link you sent me. Oh yeah, that was supposed to go up on Friday. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize there was a specific day to it. <laughs> it was for the Patreon okay. sneak peek. It was a Patreon sneak peek. It can still go up. It can still go up. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. But anyway, <laughs> do you have a something something for us? I do. I do. And actually, okay, so I, this is, I I think, now watch me like next time go around completely forgotten that I said this. Uh, I think this is the first of maybe a little bit of a something spooky series I want to do. Because sometimes there are like topics that honestly, like if we could just cover, if we weren't of the format of it being like place based and therefore like story based. 
there are a lot of topics I would love mm. to go into full episodes about. Mm-hmm. However, I love our format. Yes. Uh, and I think it's great for us. So what I think I might do is take some of these spooky topics that I would love to dive into and do like parts in my like installments okay. in my something spookies. So I am fascinated by dreams and scary dreams and why we have nightmares and things like that. And I don't think I'm th- this is more of an introduction that kind of talks about my experience with different types of dreams and it's not quite it involves a little bit of the science because yes i do have a quote from the cleveland clinic but i think subsequent installments would be a little bit more science-based as well but like science about the scarier elements of our minds yeah zoe you have something to say i want to say robin Mm -hmm. i love you so much our brains think Mm -hmm. the same i swear because I was legit thinking today about doing my something spooky for your episode about lucid dreaming. (gasps) Really? I I like came this close to doing it, but I didn't think I had enough time to do enough research for it. Zoe, okay, so what actually do we want to coordinate? Because that would make more sense from a podcasting perspective. You mean like my next one will be lucid dreaming? Yeah, where we can be like. For X number of episodes, each of us are going to do X number of parts about this topic and just kind of divide it like that. I absolutely love that. Yes, that's a good idea. And dear listener, yes, this is exactly how our meetings go. (laughs) Really, really is. You got an inside sneak peek. (laughs) Um, Okay, but today, the the introduction to this series titled... In my notes app, so here's where we're going with this, dreaming and nightmares. Okay. I'm just going to go into potentially why we dream, why we have certain nightmares, but not. I'm, I'm going to go more into it later, I swear. Okay. But with an introduction into some of the dreams that I've had that I find quite interesting and stay with me over the years. Because also, I'm sure I've had like really phenomenally interesting dreams that I've just like forgotten by evening time the next day. Mm-hmm. But... Okay, so an article on clevelandclinic.org called Why Do We Dream says there's a lot that experts don't know about why people dream and where dreams come come from. However, the prevailing theory is that dreaming helps you consolidate and analyze memories like skills and habits and likely serves as a rehearsal for various situations and challenges that one faces during the daytime. Hmm. Which calls into question why, when I was five, I had a dream involving Ron Weasley, Moaning Myrtle, a city I had to save, and a guy who seriously resembled Captain Underpants, towering above the city with a staff in his hand, banging it on the ground, the streets, saying like, like fall and then nothing fell and he was like i said fall and hitting it and then all the buildings crash and then i wake up huh what was that preparing me for i <laughs> i don't know it was so interesting because it was kind of like designed like a comic book too like it was all like black sky and red buildings and captain underpants but it anyway interesting that was the first interesting dream this next dream I think this is, when I think of nightmare, this is my quintessential nightmare. It was a nightmare about the ghost of Christmas future. Uh Pop culture, actually, actually, you know what? I have four, I have four nightmares just listed out to chat about at the moment. And three out of the four have to do something with pop culture. I wouldn't exactly consider a Christmas story pop culture. Not a Christmas story. Or not a it's Christmas, Christmas carol. Yeah, that one. Okay, fine. Um, if not pop culture, media. Okay. Li- popular media. <laughs> Even if it's not like Ariana Grande, it's still everybody knows it. Yeah. <laughs> so Ghost of Christmas Future. And the reason I had this dream is because I had to do a project either English or my media class, where for whatever reason, I had to read the fourth canto is how they're divided in Mm -hmm. A Christmas Carol. 
um, I had to read the fourth canto of A Christmas Carol, which was my least favorite, the Ghost of Christmas Future one, which has scared me ever since I was a little kid. And I went to sleep that night, and I remember it was a gray sky, kind of vague, <laughs> cloudy, vaguely purplish. And I was running from the ghost of Christmas future who looked like a dementor. And I was in a house and then I ended up running on a street. And then it was very like highly suburb, mm-hmm. highly, highly suburb, but not my current highly suburb street. And then I just felt him behind me. And I saw him and I turned around and I tried to run. And then I felt him grab around me and squeeze me. And he was cold. And then I woke up. I, I would just like to say that's your second Harry Potter reference. Oh, you're right. Oh, wow. Oh, we're really digging deep here. I feel like you shouldn't have read Harry Potter as a young child. <laughs> I, I was fully 17 years old when I had that dream. <laughs> Sorry. I was fully 17 years old. And the reason I know is because I was taking my psychology class in high school, which I took as a senior. And the reason I remember that dream is because we had to do a presentation about our dreams for that week. We had to record them in a journal. We had to make a PowerPoint about it. So I had to find an image of the ghost of Christmas future to use in my PowerPoint while I was, I think, in front of the class being like, Hello, I had a dream where he got me. <laughs> <laughs> and my next dream, I had a dream. This was the night after we saw Annabelle in the theaters. Uh-huh. I had a dream that Annabelle was in my friend Rachel's house. And I remember she was sitting on the dining table and Annabelle just swiveled to look at me. Oh. And then I also had a dream, and this was really scary, that the specter I thought was haunting me as a child was following me around this house I lived in. Oh, wow. Anyway, creepy stuff. But Zoe, do you have any interesting nightmares you would like to share to kick off this whatever it is? Well, I would like to share. Okay, there was one when I was younger. I always had this dream that I was in. It was I, I only remember two scenes from the dream. One of them, I was like in this desert with my family Um, and my family being the people who lived in the house with me at the time. So it was my grandparents, my mom, my brother and two of my aunts. And there was a giant snake. I mean, like, its head was bigger than a car. Like, oh, my God. Like, giant snake. And we had to answer its riddles. And we got one wrong. And so it swooped down and bit me. And, like, ate me. And then the very uh, the only other scene of that dream I remember, I was wearing a pink one-piece bathing suit. And my friend of at the time, her my best friend at the time, she was wearing a matching one and we both had top hats and canes and we were running away from a T-Rex who also had a top hat and cane and then music started playing and we had to do like tap dancing to it. So that was the same dream. Are we sure that's the same dream? It, it was the same dream, I promise. And then, so I don't reptiles under- did make a big feature in both. Giant reptiles because the T-Rex was also giant. But I feel like giant reptiles. Yeah. So that was one dream, and that was in sixth grade. So I want, like, I the, I was prepared to say after the first install, like, section of it, the first scene, which I love saying scene for these, <laughs> because it's really like... A play, almost. Yeah. 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 And we provide our own entertainment. It's amazing. Brains are amazing. <laughs> um, but the first part of it where, like, the snake gives you and your family a riddle and you have to answer or get eaten. That sounds very fairy tellish. Mm-hmm. And if your next section sounded fairy tellish, I was about to continue saying that. But no, the next section is just like a fever dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know what my psyche was supposed to tell me there. But what Beware I... of reptiles. <laughs> they are not your friends. There is one dream that um, I had. Uh... So Robin, do you remember... In high school, when we had the bomb threat. Yes. Yes, I do. So I had a dream shortly after that where I was in the middle school because um, so for people who weren't at that school at that time. Um, <laughs> Which Robin, is ideally most of you. <laughs> Robin and I's um, freshman year at high school, we had a bomb threat 
And I remember that day we were covering in my English, I was in my English class and we were covering Oedipus Rex and we were doing a mock trial of the prophet. Oh, no, we were doing a mock trial of Oedipus Rex. You know, the whole like kill your father, marry your mother play. No, I know this. Zoe, that's my memory of this, but we weren't in the same class. No. Did I take your memory? You might have taken my memory. Because oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was in that class, I was doing that, and um, for the mock trial was the trial of Oedipus Rex, and I played the prophet, and oh, nice. I came into school that well, I didn't wear it all day, but I wore this big black cloak as the prophet because I had to like tie my like put a blindfold on and we heard the fire alarm go off so we all left and I remember the teachers were like being like move back move back and so we'd move back a little bit more and they'd be like move back move back and we'd move back a little bit more and um the high school and the middle school were right next to each other and there were soccer fields in between and somebody was like move back to the field and we kept moving back. And I remember one kid like sarcastically asked, what, is there a bomb in the building or something? And the teachers yeah. were like, yes. <laughs> and we were like, oh. And so they ended up getting all the high schoolers into the gymnasium of the middle school. Mm-hmm. And we were all sitting in the middle school. Some people were like texting their family and friends. I honestly didn't. I don't think I had the emotional maturity to really understand what was going on. I was just glad to be out of classes and I was laughing at the situation. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember like some people were crying and I was like, why the fudge are you crying? Like, it's not a big deal. <laughs> but a couple minutes, um, minutes, months after that, I had a dream where I was in the middle school and the middle school was flooding and I went to the gymnasium because they were making rafts out of the wrestling mats and we got onto the mats and then Bowser from like Mario comes in and we have to like defeat Bowser. Really? Uh-huh. Is he a metaphor for a bomb? I guess he's fire. That's so interesting that you weren't feeling it then but perhaps like the nerves were there yeah to have made an appearance uh-huh like i mean it, it was just like i was just like okay this is kind of cool like this is a story to tell in the future this is really cool and like there's probably was something very much wrong with me in high school if i reacted <laughs> to a bomb threat being being like that's cool <laughs> i don't think like there can be like okay listen i don't think that there can actually be anything wrong with you because i feel like that's almost i, I feel like that's such a fear that people shouldn't have to deal with that mm-hmm. I don't think the way people deal with it should be like I- insulted or, mm-hmm. or a matter of character in that way. I remember that too. Not your dream. Memory. <laughs> I, I remember it too, but actually I I was mostly not concerned because I had we had had when I was in elementary school in Georgia, we had had a bomb threat. And so we had gone over to the church and nothing bad had happened. So I kind of figured it was like one of those like prank things. Yeah. That's I've... the thing people do. And at the, it's sad to like be aware at that age that that's the thing that people do. And I feel like during this event also, like people were, um, I think at the time people were saying like, oh, it's probably just somebody who called in a false threat to get out of a test. Like that was the theory that everybody was saying while we were in that gymnasium so yeah and and that's honestly probably what happened mm-hmm. i guess is that's what happened they never found a bomb uh, so they never found a bomb which is good it's still uh, there to this day i did have a concern i remember thinking that it would have been very smart for them to have called a bomb threat to the high school get everybody over to the middle school and then do that yeah but i tried to quiet down that fear as much as possible Anyway, thank you for sharing your dream, and I'm very excited to embark on this series with you. Yes, this is going to be exciting. I think so too. We we should uh, we should have a a little doc, a doc, set up. A doc. Oh, doc. Okay, sure. Doc. Yeah. You meant. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So Zoe, do you have a story for us today? I do. And Robin, I have three words for you. You do. Okay. Remember the Alamo. <laughs> You remember? You remember it? I I I rem- 
I wasn't there, but <laughs> but we were talking. We were, you you recently covered a hotel that's very very near it. Yeah, and I was like, oh, you know what? I almost covered that in the Alamo, and you're like, oh, cool, that's awesome. And I was like, yeah. Do you mind if I do that? And you're like, yeah. So I'm covering the Alamo. Perfect. Thank you for uh, doing a rendition perfectly uh-huh. of that conversation as it happened. Uh-huh, exactly. So there is a lot of history, okay? Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty much just history. <laughs> so I'm going to, basically what how I set up my notes is I have some just raw history for you that you kind of need to know for the ghosts to make sense. Mm-hmm. However, comma, when I get to the ghosts section, I'll be like, hey, this is what they saw. Here's the history behind who this person might be. Okay, can I add something in here? Yes. I had no idea there were going to be ghosts in this story. You're kidding. I didn't know you were doing... You just told me you were doing the Alamo. I didn't know, like, what you're doing. I just knew you were going to rock it. And especially when you text me that you were, like, really into this episode and thought it would be a really good episode. So you didn't know the Alamo was haunted? It's possible that I vaguely knew that the Alamo was haunted because I had to, like, do a little bit of cross-research, but I didn't know much. It's more like, I, I, I think of, I know, like, remember the Alamo, but I also kind of think of, like, the Alamo as an event. Uh-huh. So, and I'm with you now. I'm with you now. And no, I'm excited. No, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, make fun of you. I'm just like, you're such a supportive person because I was like, hey, can I cover the Alamo? And you're like... Yeah, cover that historical event on our true crime and supernatural podcast. You know I'm into history. (laughs) You know I love history. All right. Well, I have a lot of history for you. And honestly, like, I really wish this is the way my teachers taught history in class where with like ghosts in it, because then I might have remembered something. Just finish every story with, and the ghost of General George Washington is sometimes still seen. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so before I get to the history of the Battle of the Alamo, here's some history about the building. So the Alamo, if you've ever seen, like, if you've Googled Alamo and looked at the photos, what you're seeing, it's like this funky shaped front of a building, and there's an arched doorway There's a couple columns that go up and there's a lot of windows and that is the mission. So that is the church. And so it was originally known as Mission San Antonio de Valero. I took French in high school. There is a lot of Spanish in this. Please bear with me. So I'm doing Duolingo. (laughs) I can help you. (laughs) Um, This is in San Antonio, Texas, which is very very far south texas so this church was built on the spot chosen by father antonio de san buenventura de oliveras best shot this is gonna be so interesting so (laughs) so this father he father antonio he previously had a bunch of monks at a different mission and it didn't go so well. I think the locals like chased them out and burned everything down. And so they literally fled out of town in the middle of the night and they stopped to gather their breath on this riverbank and they were underneath a cottonwood tree and they were just kind of like, okay, where do we go now? And Father Antonio was like, okay, so there's this plot of land in this area. I saw it. I thought it was, would be a good place. Let's go there. So... They go there, they set, and they're like, okay, this is where we're going to be. So in 1724 is when they were under the dogwood tree and planning this whole building. But the work didn't begin until 1744, so 20 years later. The church was named after St. Anthony of Padua. Padua. Padua, thank you. And San Antonio de Valero, a Spanish viceroy. So the church was made to spread Roman Catholicism to the locals, the locals being colonists, native Mexicans. I mean, they're not called Mexicans now, but like people who were originally part of the country of Mexico and then Native Americans. So those are the three main groups that they were talking to. 
1793, the church became a hospital, the first hospital of Texas. And then a few years later, it became a fort. And that's when it got its name of Alamo. Alamo, Robin, if you've been doing your Duolingo, you should know this, is the Spanish word for dogwood. Like the dogwood. I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't gotten to types of trees yet, Zoe. (laughs) We're talking about the weather. Hace buen tiempo. I'm sorry. I've been saying dogwood. It's been cottonwood tree this whole time. It's supposed to be a cottonwood tree. I don't know if they're the same thing. I have been saying cottonwood. Okay. It's a cottonwood. said it at least once. Okay. So Alamo is the Spanish word for cottonwood, and it's going back to when they were on the riverbank underneath the cottonwood tree, and they're like, oh, let's pick this place. So that's why it's called the Alamo, and I guess that was a good enough story for them. So by 1803, over 100 soldiers and their families had moved into the Alamo, and for 32 years, they protected San Antonio from raids by the Native Americans because the Native Americans weren't very happy that they were settling up towns there. And these are all Spanish people, by the way, like from Spain. Basically, from there, there was this little thing called the Texas Revolution. (laughs) So the Texas Revolution was when the European colonialists... Okay, so at this point, Spain, I think, had pulled out of Mexico and Mexican the Mexican government was like okay this is our land and then the American or British colonists were like nope this is our land and the people who are already there were like we're gonna side with the colonists on this one because their trade and laws are more profitable to us okay So during the Texas Revolution, they were fighting against the Mexican government. And so to simplify it, I'm just going to say the Texans and Mexico were fighting. Okay, there we go. Um, So obviously, since Texas is part of the United States, not Mexico, you can probably figure out how this went. But the Battle of the Alamo was from February 23rd to March 6th in 1836. So Mexican troops led by President General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana, they reclaimed the Alamo Church and they killed most of the people inside and refused to take prisoners. So even though several people tried to surrender to the Mexican army, they refused and executed anybody who surrendered. So during this 13 day span, around 1000 to 1600 Mexican soldiers died on the Alamo grounds and the official number of Texans who died was 189. I had no idea so many people died. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that many people died either. I didn't know there were that many people there. Mm hmm. So in this area, the people in the area, the colonialists and the natives alike saw the cruelty in killing everyone there, including the people who surrendered. Mm -hmm. And it kind of like rallied people to join the Texan army and fight back against the Mexican army. But I do want to like, that's like the, oh, we saw the cruelty and we fought back. That's like the idealized history of it but in reality they also were afraid of the mexican government taking over because the mexican government wanted to close the mexican border so it would stop imports and immigration which would harm a lot money-wise and also the mexican government wanted to outlaw slavery ah yeah gotcha yes and locals didn't want that So there was only one survivor of the Battle of Alamo on the Texan side. His name is Joe. I don't have a last name, but he was a man who was enslaved by the Colonel William Travis. And Colonel William Travis was one of the people like head buckos in charge at the Alamo. Uh, Joe was released by Santa Ana because Santa Ana recognized that he did not have a choice on whether or not he could stay or go if he could fight or surrender. And he also hoped that by releasing Joe, he would convince other enslaved people to fight for the Mexican side of the war. Mm-hmm. 
so after a month or so of rounding up and organizing people, the Texans attacked the Alamo in what is held, which was being held by Santa Ana at the point and defeated them on April 21st, 1836. And that is known as the Battle of San Jacinto, I'm assuming, because it's a J. Jacinto. Jacinto. So with that, Texas gained independence from Mexico. Mexican forces drew back. They drew the borders that we have now, or vaguely now. And a few years later, in 1845, Texas joined the United States as a state. Okay. So there is a lot more information you can really dive deep into it. That's all we need to know for the ghosts. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. You're welcome. So the first reports of ghosts were actually a couple, I think, months, maybe a couple weeks after the Battle of San Jacinto. Oh, that's quick. Very quick. So these are actually official reports written by Santa Ana and his men. Uh-huh. My jaw dropped. Uh-huh. So after Santa Ana had been defeated, they had ran away and he sent his general Andrade to go and burn down the Alamo because his logic was that the Texans would kind of like glorify it and mm-hmm. see it as like, oh, Texans don't fall. So he wanted his people to burn it down. And that is what ended up happening. Not the, that it got burned down, but because people ended up glorifying it. Oh, yeah. So on draw day arrived near the town with his men and they made camp and he sent his men to the Alamo while he stayed back with a select few. And the soldiers went to the Alamo, didn't do anything and immediately came back. And he's like, yo, why didn't you burn it down? Like, what's happening And according to the men on that trip, they saw six devils standing in front of the Alamo. Each spirit had a flaming sword and they encircled the soldiers and blocked the entrance to the Alamo. The men were terrified of what would happen if they destroyed the church. So they fled. And people believe that these spirits were either the men who died during the battle or their old monks guarding the church. Mm-hmm. And so all, all these soldiers saw these six men and were like, nah, I'm, go- I'm gone. So General Andrade uh, did not believe them. And so he went back to the Alamo with his select group to carry out the task. But when they arrived, they were planning to attack the barracks first. And before they could do anything, they saw a tall male figure rise up on the roof of the barracks with a ball of fire in each hand. And supposedly this terrified the men to the point where they fell to their knees and like rubbed their eyes and still saw it. And they were terrified of what would happen. So they left. Okay. So. Uh Uh-huh. When you, the first thing, I was totally like, okay, for whatever reason, they didn't want to burn down the Alamo. Okay? hmm This throws a little bit of a wrench into that theory. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I was like, oh, that just sounds like they were like, we don't want to burn it down, so we're going to come up with a story. A great story. There was a lot of creativity. You can tell they workshopped that among them. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, maybe they didn't. Okay. So also there's, I don't know if the exact phrasing, but there's like a phrase of remember the six or something like that. So there were six men who surrendered and after, during the battle, battle of the Alamo, they surrendered to the Mexican army and the Mexican army executed them instead of accepting their surrender. And when there was six men who did that, and then there were six devils that's why people think it was the men who were executed being like, we we surrendered. You still killed us. So it's now our eternal duty to protect it. That's fascinating. Isn't and, and the number six is like associated with the devil, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fascinating stuff, Zoe. Genuinely had no idea that happened. <laughs> so after that, they fled back to Santa Ana and Santa Ana was like, eh, fine. OK. And so they left the Alamo <laughs> alone. <laughs> 
So this is also official record. When Texas became a part of the U.S. in 1846, the Alamo was converted into a complex for the U.S. Army. And in 1871, higher ups decided to demolish the old church, leaving only the barracks and the newer church that they had built. So they wanted to destroy the like iconic image that you see when you Google the Alamo. However, as word began to spread about the church being demolished, sightings of ghosts at the Alamo, Alamo, Alamo were suddenly being reported. So there is the Menger Hotel. I feel like I'm pronouncing that wrong. I think I saw some videos on it when I was trying to Google Emily Morgan because uh-huh. it's like haunted hotel, San Antonio, and then like they often be talking about the other one. I think it might be Menger or Manger, one of those two. I think it might be my Manger. Manger, Manger. That sounds better than Menger. That just sounds like a slur. I don't think it's Menger. <laughs> so Manger Hotel, which honestly would might be a good future episode. So that is across the plaza, and you can actually see the Alamo, like the front of the Alamo from the hotel, and the people who were staying there were the ones reporting most of these odd things. So they'd be up in the middle of the night, look across the street and be like, uh, so (laughs) some of the odd things reported were they saw spirits of an army wearing out of date uniforms, marching up and down the path in the front of the Alamo. They saw apparitions of people going in and out of walls and a couple sources describe them as grotesque so i don't know if these are like victims you know Mm, gotcha there are apparitions of people just appearing and standing guard at night and then disappearing as the sun comes up and then you can hear the sound of screaming explosions and most interestingly a trumpet playing el de gayo it's spelled D E G U E L L O. I guess it would be like Degueo or Degueo. Degueo. That sounds more Spanish. So that is a tone that, or a tune that the Mexican army used to signal to their men that they will not take any prisoners. It's a song of no quarter. I, I recommend Googling it. And listening to a YouTube video, because I did, of this song, understanding the context of that, because it's so layered, this song, because it feels like a kind of like a little funky jazz music. But there's like an underlying tone of like a funeral march. Really? Yeah, it sounds so hopeful, but also like, like Darth Vader's walking out, you know? That's so interesting. I've never heard of something that was like music to, I mean, I've heard of war drums and stuff, Mm -hmm. music to announce you were coming, but never music to announce like you're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, whoa. And I listened to it and I was just like, (laughs) but, but apparently in the middle of the night, you can hear that there. Oh, great. Yeah. (laughs) So because of these reports, of the soldiers and all of that, the decision to tear down the old church was reversed. Really? Yeah. It was that intense that U.S. Army was like, mm, maybe not. You know, these ghosts really should get commended for their uh, <laughs> historical preservation. I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Because of this, the area was converted to a police headquarters and jail instead. But it doesn't stop there. So, reports continued of ghosts marching on the roof of the police station as if they were guarding it. There are dark figures that would walk in the hallways at night as if they were doing their internal rounds. And you could hear the sounds of moaning in the middle of the night and painful screams. And it would wake up staff and prisoners. And eventually it got to the point where guards refused to patrol at night. To the point... That they just had to move the jail because they couldn't find anyone to patrol the area at night because of the ghostly things. It sounds like what they're doing is reliving that night. Yes. Again and again. So if you remember our guide to ghost hunting, I talked about residual energy. And the idea is that if there's something that is so 
violent or even good that happens, it like permanently leaves its mark on the time and on the energy on the area. And so I would argue that like almost 2000 people dying at the same time would like leave a pretty heavy mark in a 13 day span. If anything could do it, I think that that would do it, you know? Exactly. And I'm going to get to a couple more residual ghosts, but it's just like, because it's one thing for people to be like, oh my gosh, my TV turned it on in my hotel. It must be ghosts. To What's that voice? <laughs> <laughs> but like the U.S. government being like, hey, we have to not destroy something and also spend more money to move something somewhere else because of ghosts? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> so, like I mentioned, the Alamo was a place for soldiers and battles. But before that, it was a church. Well, what do churches usually have? Choirs. A lot of things. But cemetery is the yes. word I was looking for. It's a graveyard when it's associated with a church. No, it's a graveyard when it's attached to a church. I think there was a road in between, so it's technically a cemetery, but I'm not 100% sure because okay. the cemetery's not there anymore. Okay, but to be fair to me, you did preface it by saying, what do churches have? <laughs> that is true. I did try to trick you there. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but so there was a cemetery there. And between 1724 and 1793, there was approximately 1,000 people buried there. But we do not have any of the grave markers. We do not know the extent of the church. I'm sorry, the cemetery. So we don't know where it starts and ends. Yeah. And because of that, there is this like, I don't know if it's necessarily a rumor or like a legend or just something locals say, but it's like a common thing that they'll say where uh, whenever they do construction around the Alamo or at the Alamo, it's not uncommon for construction crews to find bones or skulls. I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. Make a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> so getting to specific ghosts, there are a lot of reports by visitors of a blonde boy. So he's known as the blonde boy. He's often seen in the upper left window, which is now a part of the gift shop, but sometimes he's seen walking the grounds. His supposed story is that he was evacuated during the battle. However, he survived, but his father did not. So the idea is that maybe later he passed and now his spirit in the form of how old he was when he lost his father returns to the spot over and over again to the spot where he last saw his father looking for him. Okay. So there's that's, this... That's, that's, that's just really sad. Yeah, it is. But, so he's known as the Bond Boy and he's frequently seen there. Mm -hmm. On the outer walls, people see what they think is a Mexican soldier. He's seen by tourists and locals alike, walking casually around with his hands clasped behind his back. His head is tucked down and he shakes his head on occasion and you see him and sometimes you feel a wave of sadness watch it wash over you while you're looking at him and he'll just be walking around many many people have seen him and the story attributed to him is that he is general manuel fernandez de castrillon of the Santa Ana's commanders, he refused to participate in the battle towards the end because he was like, this is a bloodbath. Like, we don't need to continue like that. We've already won. However, when the battle was over, the six men that I told you about who surrendered, mm -hmm. they came to him and he accepted and offered them his protection. And Santa Ana came by and he was like, hey, we're killing them. And Castrillon was like, no, I've already told them I'll protect them. We're, I'm not killing them. And so Santa Anna killed the six men himself with his sword. Um, everywhere I saw said hacked them to pieces. But I don't I feel like that's more like not euphemism, but hyperbole. Yeah, like, I don't know if it would be like recorded in historical records. Right. The brutality. Yeah. And then he turned, Santa Anna turned around and 
threatened to kill Castrillon, or Castrillon if he refused to follow orders again. That really is so sad. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating that that's kind of... Because it seems that the first little bits of like what you described as like the the initial experiences people had after the LMO, like it was all very anger fueled. Mm-hmm. But now like that we're talking about like things people are experiencing like over 150 years later, it's all sadness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost like the anger had just kind of drifted into that. Right. Yeah. Now that it's all said and done with and there's nothing to do anymore. All you can do yeah. is feel sad. Yeah. So to kill the sad mood. <laughs> you say laughing. Okay. Another reported ghost is that of Davy Crockett. Which I knew the words Davy Crockett. Like I knew the name Davy Crockett. Yeah. Without knowing the story. Did you know Davy Crockett? No. What's the story of Davy Crockett? So he's an American folk hero, but. I heard um, the name. Yeah. Unlike other folk heroes, he was an actual person. Mm-hmm. And he even served in the U.S. House of Representatives for Tennessee. So, like, he's a legit recorded person, mm-hmm. but he's also a folk hero because he served during the Texas Revolution and he arrived at the LMO on February 8th, just a few weeks before the battle started. And he was one of the last Texans to die at the Alamo. His death has been glorified. And the story is that he put up a heroic last stand that his body was supposedly found by a former enslaved man named Ben, who was the cook at the Alamo or one of the cooks at the Alamo. And Ben said that Davy Crockett's body was surrounded by Quote, no less than 16 Mexican corpses, and his knife was in one of them. Hmm. However, most modern historical evidence suggested that he was one of the six men who surrendered, and then he was executed a couple weeks after the battle. Interesting. Like, I, I'm, I, I think that's an interesting study in what we, or at least what maybe America at that time would consider a more honorable death though there's nothing it sounds like dishonorable about surrendering when all of that bloodshed was going on you know and i i know i've said this before but six men six were the ones six. that means they were yeah. down to six i mean it's like what what else were you supposed to do you know yeah what good would come out of doing anything else exactly so his Ghost has been seen by park rangers, which I did not know there were park rangers at the Alamo. And they say that he the ghost looks exactly like paintings of Davy Crockett and that he's wearing buckskin clothing and a raccoon hat. And he's usually spotted standing at attention on the outside of the grounds while holding a flint rock rifle. I'm sorry, flint lock rifle. I thought the raccoon hat was Daniel Boone. It could have been. It's probably multiple people. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So another ghost is, well, two, really. There are two small boys that will frequently ingratiate themselves within a tour group. They'll appear and everyone in the group will think that they belong to another adult or I mean, belong. They're the kids of another group and adult in the group. And They'll just like walk around with you. Usually people notice them because they're like, oh, they're so well behaved. They're being quiet. They're not like running around like all the other kids. And then once the tour group reaches the sacristy room, which I had to Google, it's a room where a priest prepares for a service. So think a green room, but for a priest, they'll just vanish. Mm -hmm. And there have been multiple reports of people being like, I saw this little boy and or these little boys and then they're gone. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's the ghost. Um, <laughs> this this uh, voice you have for these people having these <laughs> supernatural experiences. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. But these were maybe Anthony Wolf's sons. So Anthony Wolf was an artillery uh, artillery man at the LMO and he passed during the battle 
and his son's nine years old and 12 year old, 12 years old were hiding in the church and they were also killed during the battle. And like the source I read about this said, like they were mistaken for Texians. And I'm just like, they were nine and 12 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just more of the whole like Santa Ana leave no survivors kind of thing. I mean, it sounds like that. I don't think that they could get mistaken for soldiers. No. Like, have you seen a nine-year-old? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so another couple of specters that are seen together, and this one's a little emotional, is a man and a child on the rooftop of the Alamo. They are seen just after sunrise and, quote, the image distills jerks as the ghostly man wraps his arm around the child and leaps off the parapet to the ground below. So there are actual records of Santa Ana's soldiers, including General Andrade that I mentioned earlier, on one of the last days of the Alamo being horrified as they watch an actual father do this with his son because they he chose to fall to his death rather than let the Mexican soldiers kill them. And so this is recorded as actually happening. And mm-hmm. now, just at sunrise, people have reported seeing this as if it's a residual haunting. That is so, so sad. I had no idea that there were so many children there. Mm-hmm. Because it was their families, too. It was the soldiers and their families. Soldiers and their families. My goodness. And they received word ahead of time that some of the that the Mexican army was coming. So there were people who left. They uh, vacated before. But I think in these cases, the mother the where they the children died here, I think their mother had passed already. And mm-hmm. so there was nobody for them to escape with. And so they just stayed back. They didn't expect the Alamo to be like the Battle of the Alamo to be as gruesome as a thing. And that everybody in the Alamo would die. Mm-hmm. It's so, so sad. It really is. And just like knowing that this, well, thinking that those spirits are just reliving that moment regularly is just brutal. Oh, and apparently all this ghost activity kicks up a lot around February because it was the end of February, beginning of March, that the Alamo battle. Oh, that- mm-hmm. So another spirit is a cowboy. He is riding a horse sometimes. Sometimes he's just standing there. He's wearing a black duster, which is a cowboy trench coat and a cowboy hat. He is soaking wet and he looks like he just rode through a severe thunderstorm And people believe that he is one of the 22 dispatch riders that Colonel William Travis sent out during the battle to seek help. Okay. Another theory is that he could have been one of the last couriers to leave the Alamo right before the battle. He was returning with a reply message to whatever letter he brought out, only to find that the Alamo had been taken over. And then he stood in horror staring at it. And that's what you'll see him just staring, standing there, staring at the Alamo. I, I'm sorry. The, the thing I'm reflecting on right now is just how many ghosts are there? There are a lot. <laughs> <laughs> how um, much is happening simultaneously? Like, yeah, that that's actually a really good question. Like, are you going to see him and look over and see, like, you know, like. Does anybody at the Manger Hotel ever open their window and just be like, I'm so sorry, but can you please keep it down just for like a night, guys? I know you're doing some reenactment thing, but oh, your ghost. Oh, no. (laughs) Alternatively, he'll be seen riding his horse and you can actually hear the sound of a horse galloping if you see him on his horse. I said galloping, not lazily walking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just take two halves of a coconut and just start oh sp- let me just go get my coconut uh-huh, uh-huh. i don't have a coconut <laughs> <laughs> well that sounds like a you problem um so you'll usually see him hear the sound of horse da, 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 da. so there is a ghost <laughs> <laughs> 
there is a ghost called the Alamo Defender. And above the doors at the Alamo, like the front of it, there is this wide rectangular window. And you'll see the window open and somebody stick his head out and shoulders out and like kind of like look around. And then he'll like close the windows again. And this is not a real person. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> That's Jeff. And it, it's not an animatronic that goes out at the t- hour <laughs> mark. It's not a giant clock. But the- <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, those like cuckoo bird. No. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. Okay. But apparently the theory is that he was reporting on the advancement of the Mexican army. So he was like opening it, looking out and being like, oh, they're a mile away. Hey, guys, they're a mile away. You know? Yeah. Thank you for that reenactment. You're welcome. So here are a couple ghosts without stories. The first one, this is a woman who is seen next to the well. She appears only at night. And it's really interesting because she's not as well defined as the other ghosts. So the other ghosts are like either solid enough that you could confuse them for a human or like human, but transparent a little like you can notice that you're seeing past them, but you're very clearly seeing like a form. This yeah. woman is a vapor that is vaguely in the shape of the upper half of a woman sitting <laughs> next to the well. OK, yeah, that's all I have on her. <laughs> <laughs> she exists, maybe. Existence. Is a question mark. Like, I mean, what counts as existence? Exactly. Do I exist? You exist? Does the listener exist? Okay, I hope so. Maybe. We could just be talking to a bunch of bots online. Oh, God, the thought is terrifying. (laughs) Another ghost without a story, but he is a little bit more corporeal. Staff are afraid to enter the basement of the Alamo alone because of another storyless ghost. So the basement is used for meetings in storage for the museum employees. And if you go alone, you'll feel like someone's watching you. And if you turn around quickly enough, you will see a broad chested Native American man following you. And if you catch him, like look at him, he'll either disappear in front of you or he'll sidestep into the wall. And only at an exact location Enough people were reported him disappearing at that exact location that they were like, what is this location? And they pulled up old blueprints. And that was a bricked over doorway that led to a tunnel that led to the Menger Hotel or whatever we agreed it was. Really? Yes. So blueprint theory, which is like the residual uh, ghosts follow the path of what buildings existed during their time. So that doorway existed during his time. He could have just slipped into that doorway in the past. He could have just slipped into the doorway. I like that, like, it's not just a feeling of being watched. Because I feel like at every haunted place, it's like a feeling of being watched. But it's like, no, you turn around, there's a guy. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't turn around quickly enough, like, if you do eventually turn around, you won't see anything. It has to be like, you notice the feeling and then immediately turn. Gotcha. So today there are still reports of guards on the roofs, especially on rainy or cold nights. People walk through the museum in the old church and feel overpowered with sadness to the point of crying for reasons unknown to them. People hear disembodied voices, whispers and footsteps. I don't know how voices and whispers are different. I'm guessing the voices are like screaming agony. Now they could be talking. They could be talking. Robin. This next ghost is a little bit of an anachronism. Okay. People have reported the ghost of John Wayne, as in the actor, not as in John Wayne Gacy, but the actor John Wayne, also known as the Duke. (laughs) Yeah, I I got who you mean. (laughs) Um, no. Wait, wait for it, wait for it, okay. (laughs) So, he directed and acted in a 1960 movie called The Alamo. Okay. He apparently became so obsessed with the history of The Alamo that he insisted on historical accuracy 
to the point where he toured the Alamo multiple times, consulted actual blueprints of the fortress, and spent $1.5 million on a replica to film in using or to film using in Brackettville, Texas. I pulled up the inflation calculator. $1.5 million in 1960 has the same buying power of $15 million today. It was so accurate and so well made that it basically was the Alamo and current movies. It's still it's currently a museum and current movies film there occasionally. Okay, that's very interesting. I'm guessing I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's weird. So after he died in 1979, staff and visitors of the Alamo began reporting reporting seeing him on the grounds of the original Alamo, and they even reported seeing him talking to the spirits of the Alamo defenders, which is oddly wholesome. Ah, uh, I... Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, I get what you're... Oh my god. Potentially, I guess, <laughs> I... <laughs> I was just not expecting that. I wasn't either. Promise. John Wayne. Okay. Yeah. The Alamo. I was, I really wanted, I figured something this haunted has to have photos or something, a video, something. I couldn't find anything. And I'm like, how has Zach Baggins not been here? (laughs) They might not let him come. They don't. The Alamo does not allow photography inside. They do not allow mm-hmm. any ghost crew in there. If they find out that you're asking about ghost things or um, trying to like disrupt, like secretly ghost hunt, they'll kick you out. Mm-hmm. They do not like ghosts there. Okay, they do not like ghosts. Some people are like, "Oh, that's just because they're sane people and." They don't want ghost hunters like destroying it, but <laughs> other people are like they're ang- they don't want to anger the ghosts. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe. Who knows? So, and this isn't a haunted fact. This is my last like little thing I'll leave you with. Um, I looked up the Alamo on Google Maps Street View, so you know how like you can drag the little person on the map and you can just like look at it, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I did. Yes, yes, I do. Sorry, take me a second. Yes, I do. So I went on to Street View and I was looking at it. I was like, okay, so there's the Alamo. And then if you look to the left, okay, I think those are the barracks. But I mean, I've never been there, so I'm not 100% sure. And I was like, wow, that's really pretty. And I look in the background and I'm like, oh, that's a billboard for some hotel. Okay, that's weird. And then I turn my little guy around and I see a Guinness World Records museum and a Ripley's Believe It or Not museum oh and like a t-shirt shop and a welcome center and construction here, construction there and like, and then you go a little bit farther down the street and it's like a beautiful U.S. post office and the courthouse and the amazing Emily Morgan Hotel. And then it's like a shopping center with AMC IMAX written on the side. And it's just like, it's so weird. Anytime Ripley's, believe it or not, shows up in a location, you just know it's become a tourist trap. Yes. And it's no fault of the location itself. There had to have been something really interesting there for Ripley's to come. Uh-huh. But once Ripley's is there, you can't un-Ripley it. You can't. I'm talking about Tennessee Mountains. I'm talking about Niagara Falls. Now we're talking about the Alamo. Yeah. You can't un-Ripley it. Charleston, too. Charleston, too. Well, there's sections of Charleston. Yeah. That are very touristy. And then there are sections that are, I mean, well, Charleston has a lot of tourism, but there's sections that are not Ripley's kind of touristy, right. you know? Yeah. And, like, I, I was trying to find, like, personal accounts of Alamo Ghosts because I love those more than just the general ones. Ditto. And I even, like, went to Reddit and tried to find some. But, unfortunately, it seems that there's, like, you know how Charleston, there's like 30 ghost tours? Yeah. It seems like that's the case here, too. But people are like, don't believe the crap that they tell you. 
like don't go on a ghost tour it's not worth it and i'm like that's really interesting i mean it's definitely possible that like it's just stories that have built up over time because i do i do like the personal stories but i i like the i mean the sheer number of stories that it has is so interesting yeah but those are the ghosts of the alamo remember the alamo robin on a scale of one to ten how haunted is the alamo okay okay i'm thinking we don't have any videos we do have historical documents we do have (laughs) historical documents i'm gonna say a 5.8 damn i gave it a nine i (laughs) think no i think like I think that there... It was bad enough that the U.S. government had to move out of it, Robin. Okay, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Okay, let me amend it. Let me amend it. Okay, U.S. government is a 6.5. Oh, okay. I'm so... Like, listen, I am with you. I think this is fascinating. I just think that, like, for me, if you got somebody being like, oh my gosh, this experience happened to me rather than this experience happens... Mm-hmm. And I would love to lie, but that's just where I am. <laughs> uh, I might have to. Um, so I, I like I looked in the usual spots, but like I just couldn't really find anything. And I do have to admit I was doing these notes today because it hurt to type for most of this week. That's a good excuse. <laughs> yeah. You never know how much you use your upper arm muscles in typing mm-hmm. until one of your upper arm muscles is damaged. You know, I can, I can see that I'm mime typing right now, and there's some tensing going on that I wouldn't have noticed otherwise. Yeah, but yeah, that is the Alamo. Zoe, thank you for sharing. I truly enjoyed today's episode. I love the history. <laughs> I love that you went into the history. It was it was a it was a history deep one. It was a history deep one. I love that. Thank you for sharing everything that you shared about it. You're welcome. Everyone, if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, subscribe, review, tell a friendo, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash haunted hospitality. For just $3 a month, you get a new episode with us. Yes, and it comes out on the 13th because we're spooky. If you want to see my sources, you can head over to hauntedhospitality.wordpress.com. If you want to prove Robin wrong and provide your own personal <laughs> stories of I'm the Alamo. I'm not it's not haunted. We got a 6.5. I'm the skeptic of us. You can write to us at hauntedhospitalitypodcast <laughs> at gmail.com with your own personal stories. Or you can slide into our DMs. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Haunted Hospitality. We're also on Twitter at Haunted Hosts. We hope to see you there. Stay Stay spooky. spooky.